following program is intended for mature audiences. The time is now for the hardest hit, yet completely trivial. The following program is intended for mature audiences. The time is now for the hardest hit, yet completely trivial. Football show on the planet. You are in rarefied territory. Ladies and gentlemen, well, well, to the broken helmet. Let's rock. And welcome, everybody, to the first episode of the year. We actually had a first episode way back when. Actually, I think it was in March. And then took a colossal hiatus of months and months on end. So we have uh, fired everything back up. And I'm going to try not to make the fire up the mics comment yet again. And if you don't get that, then you haven't listened to episode zero. However, we are back. League is not. League is flat out dead. I mean, it is. Silent. Nothing going on right now. Everybody getting ready for training camp. But nothing really going on until training camp at this point. That's fine. Because when it comes on, it comes on in a tidal wave of action. Everybody gets all amped up back into camp. You get your fantasy football drafts going. Everybody and their brothers are already trying to fight and book up their fantasy football draft date. I've gotten two or three emails, text messages in the past 48 hours about dates getting locked up. Everybody's trying to, I mean, with the amount of leagues that there are in the world today, there is not as many calendar days for everybody to get the primo spot, especially those leagues that you do in person because people love live drafts. I I love them myself. Used to do them forever for the league that I ran until it just got to be too much. People, kids, you know, families, weekends get jam-packed and booked. And so we finally bit the bullet and unfortunately we went to the online draft. Yes. Nobody likes that. Nobody likes the online draft. Actually, some people do, to be completely honest, because some people working under tight schedules do like to get that thing done in and out. It definitely cuts down on the time of a draft by leaps and bounds. It's just not nearly as fun. You don't get to sit back, tell stories, jokes, have some beers, throw it back with with the boys uh, and girls. Uh, But unfortunately... That's what people have to do, and I do it now as well, and it gets done very quickly. But uh, point being, as I digress, is that uh, everybody in the brother right now, while uh, the camps have not started, are definitely trying to lock in their fantasy football dates. So around the NFL, what do we have going on? Well, there's not a lot, as I mentioned, but there was a couple of news and notes. And uh, we'll start off, unfortunately... Alex Gibbs passed away. Uh, You might remember him. He was the offensive line coach for years for the 
uh, Denver Broncos, and he was there with his own blocking scheme. He had those mon- he produced those monster years for Terrell Davis. Well, I don't, I don't know if he produced them. However, his strategy uh, seemed to have a very positive impact on the statistical uh, years that Terrell Davis had there. They the Broncos won back to back titles. Uh, what was it, ninety seven, ninety eight, or ninety eight, ninety nine? 99, there was Packers and then Broncos back-to-back. But Terrell Davis, he was the 1998 MVP. Monster years out of him. And unfortunately, he was one of those careers just cut short. But you look at his years of production from 95 to 98. Starts off 23 years old. He rushes uh, 1,100 yards, 1,500 yards, 1,700 yards, and then he had a 2,000-yard season where he had not only 2,000 yards but 21 touchdowns. And he had a ton of touchdowns in those other years too. So he was 1,107 TDs, 1,513 TDs, 1,715, and then the one I just mentioned, 2,000 yards and 21 touchdowns. And, (laughs) you know, you talk about – running backs in today's day and age when they just, look, they're just not as useful, right? There was another article I read, what was it, Pro Football uh, Network? Pro Football Network, and they were referring to um, o- OVM, I think it was, uh, some statistical reference to the running back position saying it's the least valuable of all the skill positions. Um, you know, but it's not to say that it's not valuable, right? It's just how you utilize the position. And obviously, because the passing game has become so paramount in the league, that's where running backs can help the most if they have that dual threat run plus the catch. You can use them out of the backfield, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I, again, I'm, I'm spending too much time on all these tangents, but you look back at these years, 95 through 98 for Terrell Davis, and you look at his receiving. So he's cranking out 1,500, 1,700, 2,000 yards on the ground and receiving, uh, you know, his first year was his best, 367. After that, 310, 287, 217. I mean, come on. <laughs> You're not even getting used out of the backfield. Although, you know, he, he you know, 50 catches year one, 36, 42, and then 25. It's just a different NFL. But going back to Alex Gibbs, he had monster seasons as a coach installing this zone blocking scheme. Led, uh, helped contribute to not only Terrell Davis's uh, monster years, but those back to back titles for the Broncos. He also was a coach uh, over at the Falcons in 05 to 06. And if you remember their running attack back in the day, that was Warwick Dunn. Remember Warwick Dunn left Tampa Bay, came over to uh, the Falcons, and he was there with Michael Vick those couple of years. And I think Warwick Dunn, I looked it up before, he had uh, pretty solid seasons, especially for Warwick Dunn, right? Great running back. I would have loved to have seen Warwick Dunn in today's date age the modern game but even back then I think he had he had like three seasons those three seasons specifically I think was like 1100 1400 and 1100 yards which was great uh, you know worked on was a, a fantastic player um I don't know if he'll make the Hall of Fame probably not but I NFL a lot of people make the Hall of Fame but worked on was a great great uh player great person too as if you want to look at his all the charitable work he if I remember right maybe he can continues to do this but he would end up providing a house for a family in need um whatnot which is pretty cool uh pretty nice thing but anyway Gibbs was the coach there Falcons 04 to 06 with that running attack 
And then he was also, and this is probably when I was looking at all of his coaching history, this is the year that uh, I, I got a kick out of. So he was the Texans coach in 08 to 09. And I was like, oh man, who was the running back then? I was like, it had to be, you know, Arian the Barbarian, right? Arian Foster. That's what I thought right out of the gate. And I couldn't have been more wrong. It was not. And you want to take a stab at who it was. I will give you some time. Think about it. I'm telling you right away. It's not Arian Foster. It's not Arian Foster. Ready? Here it is. Steve Slayton. <laughs> I kid you not. Steve <laughs> Slayton. So Steve Slayton, 08, he rushes for 268 rushes for t- almost 1,300 yards, nine touchdowns, 50 receptions for 377. And then after that, he had nothing. 430 uh, yards after that, and uh, you know he was out of the league at 24. But that one year with Alex uh, Gibbs uh, working that line, Steve Slayton for the Texans had almost 1,300 yards. So Alex Gibbs, happy trails, my friend. Happy trails. So uh, next up, uh, we'll go to this one because <laughs> I got a kick out of this. So Kevin uh, Demoff, I'm probably going to screw up his name, COO for the Rams, right? So there's a court case uh, taking place right now regarding St. Louis suing uh, the Rams for leaving St. Louis. And the judge in that case just ruled that the owner's financial records could now be probed to assess punitive damages. So big deal. Right, because this is St. Louis saying you. I I, I don't know the, the nuts and bolts of the case. You can Google it, but you left the town arbitrarily, broke lease agreement, whatever the hell it was. You know, we are suing you because you should be back here. And so the judge now looks back at it, and I guess there's enough material in the case to say, hey, you know, why don't we assess what the punitive damages are? So we're going to go into the owners piggy banks and figure out how much they have, what they have, where it's coming from, so we can figure out how much we can, you know, just dock everybody to pay the city of uh, St. Louis. And guess what? They they don't like that, okay? So this means a couple of things. Number one, the owners are not going to allow this to happen. That means that St. Louis is going to get paid, because this whole thing is going to go away real fast at this point. I... I Pro Football Talk had noted this in an article I had read earlier today, and I am in full agreement because when push comes to shove, I, this is the same thing. You know, you, you want to bring Trump up. Uh, you Don't know, be rude. Easy, Don. Uh, you know, he, he, him and his whole tax return thing, right? You're not going to get to him. I, you know, I don't want anybody to see him. It, same principle here. These owners do not want anybody to see their financial records. And so this is that, that's never going to see the light of day, which means this case is going to go away. Uh, very quickly. So St. Louis is going to get paid. Uh, this case is going to end. But I, uh, what was funny about this was reading the Kevin Demoff thing. So he, they said we wanted to get to L.A., right? So he was doing such things as sending the NFL articles about the St. Louis crime rate. Yes. Hey! hey! Nelly told you. Uh, street sweepers all over the place. Heads up, St. Louis, bad, 
bad. That's what Deboff's telling everybody. Um, so he's sending uh, articles like that to the NFL, but also uh, what was kind of amusing is that uh, he, I guess they decide to pen a letter uh, saying goodbye to the fans of and the city of St. Louis. And I guess that the letter was called the AMS, AMF letter, which stood for Adios Motherfuckers. <laughs> so you, as you could see, uh, at least Demoff was not upset at all to leave the lovely city of St. Louis. But ultimately, St. Louis is going to get paid. And they'll just have to throw everything into their XFL team. Uh, I forgot the hell the name of the uh, St. Louis... St. Louis something. Whatever. But unfortunately, the Rams are not coming back. You're just going to have to take the money and live with it. So... The other, one of the other stories coming up is that Martin McCauley, if you don't know that name, he is the Washington Patent Troll. He owns 43 silly little, 44 silly little patent names as he's trying, I don't know, uh, you can read the articles about what he says, but I, you know, he's sitting on these things to try to get paid. He says that he's not, if I remember the correctly what I've read is that he said he was doing this out of the kindness of his own heart to prevent other people from doing it and was more than willing to get rid of these patents and just hand them over to Washington. I think that's what the story was. Well, he can get rid of at least one of them. The Warriors will be a no-go. Washington announces that they will not be using the Warriors as a name. So, Mr. McCauley now has 43 patents left to try to wring the Washington football team out of some cash. Oh, that's right. He's not trying to do that. Whatever. And finally, pro football reference. This one I dug. So this is this is fun, especially for stats geeks and people that uh, love historical references and, and uh, the whatnot. So they did a sack, the sack totals for all the years where they weren't officially tallied, right? I think 82, 83 is when sacks started. And before that, they just didn't exist. They didn't copy them. There's no statistical reference for it. So uh, Pro Football Reference went back, watched all the tapes, and marked up every single sack they saw for the years that were not officially tallied by the NFL. There you go. Got that one out. And so here are a couple. I'm going to start with... More modern people. So I'm going to take two two guys and use them as the benchmark, if you will. So we're going to take LT, my favorite player of all time, and Reggie White, right? So you look at somebody like LT. Now, I think a couple of his early years weren't tallied officially. So I think these early years um, actually were pro football, pro football reference added. But LT, nine and a half, seven and a half. Nine sacks. Now, this is where he gets into the, the, the meat of his career, right? 11 and a half, 13, 20 and a half, 12, 15 and a half, 15. Uh, and then he ends up going 10 and a half, 7, 5, 6. Career's over at that. Uh, well, not over, but uh, he did not have the impact after that last 15 sack season. And also, that very interesting about that is the 12 sack season he had after the 20 and a half and that was the year that he was the MVP is the 12 game shortened strike season the following season he has 15 and a half that also 
was in 12 games. And that is because he ended up failing the drug test and he had to miss the four, first four games of the season. So let's take his uh, top six uh, seasons there, 11 and a half. So that's his fourth season in and the next six years. He basically tallied up 87 and a half sacks. So Lawrence Taylor, the great Lawrence Taylor, uh, we're talking about uh, best six-year run, eight, 87 and a half sacks. Now let's flip over Reggie White. Different position, defensive end versus the outside linebacker. Uh, different kind of impact, but probably just as dominant as much as I like Lawrence Taylor. Um, Reggie was awesome. So his seasons looked like this. 13, 18, 21, 18, 11, 14, 15, 14, 13, 8, 12, 8 and a half, 11. I'm getting, you know, it's boring yelling out these numbers, but it's pretty impressive. 12, 8 and a half, 11. And then he ended with 16 in the year that they won that Super Bowl, and then he retired. Came back and played one more rinky dink year for the Panthers, had five and a half sacks. But going by the same, now of those, we'll take his best six seasons. Second season in the league, 18, 21, 18, 11, 14, and 15 for a total of 97 sacks. So LT's best six got 87 and a half. Reggie's got 97. So a good 10 more than LT. Well, you know, Rich, you said that LT had the two seasons where he only played 12 games and he had the 12 sacks and the 15 and a half sacks. So it doesn't really apply. Well, check it. Here's the deal. In his third season in the league, Reggie White also played in the strike sorting season. In the 12 games that he played that year, he had the 21 sacks. Swear. That's his strike shortened season of 12 games produced the 21. So while LT had 12 in that year, and then the following year when he was suspended, he had the 12 and 15 and a half in the 12, which was the more impressive of the two. It doesn't matter. Reggie had 21 in that strike-shortened 12-game season. It's like Sally Shell's she shells at the she show. I'm just struggling with this strike-shortened season. But anyway, um, so those are the two modern players that are looked at. LT and Reggie White. Their best six years, LT's at 87.5, Reggie's at 97. They both battle 12 game uh, seasons in their LT2, Reggie 1. But now, you look back at the historical players and the one that just blew everybody out of the water was Deacon Jones. I mean, Deacon Jones, here you go. 9.5, 12, 6, 22, 19, 16, 21 and a half, 22, 15, 12, 4 and a half, 6, 5, 3. I, so, again, apply that six-season stretch, and we are going to go, where are we going to start? We're going to start in his fourth year, which is the 22-sack season. He goes from six sacks to 22 22, 19, 16, 21 and a half, 22 and 15 for a total, get this, 115 and a half sacks. 115 and a half for his best six season stretch. And you want to top it all off, all of those games were 14 seasons, 14 games, because they had not gone to the 16 game season. 
So all of those totals, 22, 19, 16, 21 and a half, 22, and 15, all came in a 14-game season. And it netted them 115 and a half sacks. That's how dominant in his time Deacon Jones was. And again, I'm talking about dominance and applying strictly stats to it. It doesn't really do justice to a player's performance on the field. But hey, it's just fun to talk about if you want to go back and watch tape. Uh, I have not seen Deacon Jones play, but regardless, you put up these numbers, and I can only imagine what the tape would tell you. So that was another cool thing. And one other player that people were noting was Jack Youngblood, because they obviously did his seasons, and he also had a fantastic career. Um, his stats went th- uh, sacks 3, 6, 16 and a half, 15, 15, 14 and a half, 9 and a half, 7, 18, 11 and a half, 11 and a half, 4, 10 and a half, 9 and a half. So he had longevity, kind of like Reggie White there, where he just continued to get, you know, these 10 sack seasons later on. His best six uh, game, six season stretch was his third year in the league, which started with 16 and a half, uh, 15, 15, 14 and a half, 9 and a half, and 7. And that netted him 77 and a half sacks. So he was about 10 back from LT. But. The season after that six-year stretch was his strongest. So he had 18 the year after he had seven. So if you had extended that, then that puts him up to about 95 and a half sacks. And if you take LT's best of either bookend years and add it to his 87 and a half, uh, which would be the 10 and a half after, he's going to have 97 and a half sacks. So basically, LT and Jack and Youngblood, if you compare their best seven seasons, are equal. Um, you know, and, and if you were to take the Reggie White, he he goes up way past that because he was at 97 to begin with. Uh, and Deacon Jones, you're probably going to add on the 12 to his. So, I mean, that puts him up to, you know, close to 130. But anyway, in reference to LT, uh, Jack Youngblood had a, a, you know, comparable numbers when you factor in that seventh year. But anyway, uh, so that was fun. Stack Geek's got a kick out of that for the past uh, you know, 24 hours looking at all those sack totals and, and looking back at uh, what could have been had that statistic existed way back in the day. And those were some of the stories that I thought were worth throwing out there for the day. As for the big topic of discussion, look, the league isn't going on right now. So I was trying to think about, you know, Nothing's going on now, but what was going on back in the day? Go back earlier in the year. What were some of the big things? I mean, some things have been getting beat to death, literally beaten to death. Uh, you know, I cannot hear about Aaron Rodgers anymore. But something that was beaten to death, but has been very, very quiet in the past couple of months, is what I thought I would just let my mind wander on. And that was... The once great Deshaun Watson. Now, remember Deshaun Watson, right? Big, big fucking quarterback in the league. I mean, and wanted out from his current team. Wanted out of Houston, off his current team. And that trade that was supposed to take in place was going to create this big movement and shift in power across the league. I, Deshaun Watson was going to change the landscape of the league. 
He was going away from a team that basically has no hope for the 2021 season to somewhere where he could have changed everything around. And, I mean, the team's thrown out. There was a ton. And I think they've been revealed most recently uh, by a, a newspaper article. But, I mean, some of these teams, the Panthers, the Broncos, 49ers, Jets, Dolphins, Pats, Bears, Lions, Tigers, and Bears. Oh, my. Washington football team. I mean, all of these teams would have seen a huge improvement with Deshaun Watson at the helm. I mean, think about the Broncos and the team. Everybody loves to talk about the Broncos and how good the team is minus the quarterback position, right? 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 So, imagine the Broncos then having a quarterback, right? And Aaron Rodgers, right? That's where he's supposed to go, huh? Uh, What about the 49ers? 49ers, obviously, one season, well, two seasons, however you want to think about it, removed from the Super Bowl and did so with Jimmy Garoppolo. And then you throw Deshaun Watson in there. Dolphins, they were turning everything around last year. They got to go with Tua. They were doing it with Tua and Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Game over, man. It's game over. Uh, But they were still had a great season. Pats, you know, obviously nobody knows what the hell to do with the Pats, but the Pats reloaded this year and spent a ton of money. The only other team to spend as much, nearly as much as the Patriots were the New York Giants. Are you fucking retarded? That's exactly what he is. No kidding. The Giants, who don't have a team that's that close to the Super Bowl, and wasn't in a retooling process as, say, the Patriots just decided to unload their pocketbooks and just spend and spend and spend and spend. And now we'll have to see what the season holds for them. However, now I'm, I'm going into my Giants rabbit hole here. But that said... Pats, we don't really know uh, what could have been. The Bears, obviously, a rebuilding Washington football team. But, you know, I mean, you take the Dolphins, the 49ers, the Broncos, and those three teams with Deshaun Watson would have seen very different results, I would think, in 2021. But anyway, that's not going to happen anymore. No. No more. Nobody is going to get Deshaun Watson. We're takes for nothing! Because... Deshaun Watson turned into Mr. Randy Watson. That boy is good. As sexual chocolate decided to hire masseuses to fly all around the states to come give him the old good old rub and tug. I mean, come on. Come on. You got to be kidding me. We all know how it worked out. It didn't work out as well at all. Because he was going around to so many masseuses that finally the masseuses were just like, hey, do you work for Deshaun Watson? Does he make you, did you say he has stress in his upper thigh area? You, you do, huh? And they all got together and obviously some blood-sucking lawyer, I forgot the guy's name, but anyway, gets together, puts all the girls in a room and just says, hey, you know, since you're all working on... Sexual chocolates, upper thigh stress. Um, you know, did any of you actually feel uncomfortable? They're all like, yeah, me, me. I did. Me too. Me too. Completely unwanted. Um, and they all got together. And now here we are with a colossal lawsuit against 
Deshaun Watson, thereby ending this entire chess game of where he lands. Uh, you know, in who knows if this is a Deshaun Watson specific thing. I maybe, maybe other millionaires are doing the same thing. Who knows? Maybe Deshaun Watson ruined it for all the other people that were doing the same thing. I mean, the rub and tug game is really just gone into the toilet, right? I mean, Deshaun tried to do something outside the norm. Usually, you just find a nice little spa and orchids of Asia or an ion spa or whatever it, the title might be. And you just leave the home, you go venture there, you spend your cash, and you have a good time. And... I, Robert Kraft, obviously, didn't work out well for him. That was a disaster, but got ultimately thrown out. However, you know, Kraft kind of blew it up. So, you know, the the, the rub and tug shacks have been getting shut down left and right for years on end. Decades on end, I guess. But, I mean, none of them really worked out well. The Robert Kraft Orchids of Asia, we all know that one. Up here in Jersey years back, maybe uh, early 2010s, there was one, I think in Paramus, Teaneck, somewhere like that. And they ended up running a raid of the place, and there was nothing but New Jersey police in the whole joint. So it was, you know, it was just an absolute disaster. And for all you Bergen Countyites and uh, female listeners out there that might have heard me mention the Ion Spa before, th- that place was fine. There was nothing wrong with that place at all. It just closed down uh, for natural purposes, uh, natural causes, uh, lack of funds. Had nothing to do with anything performed within the walls. So just forget that I even mentioned the Ion Spa. Uh, but where am I going with this? Oh, that's right. Uh, the, the, the massage game is on the ropes people it's it's on the ropes you know the internet doesn't help anything out and you know whenever you get a site dedicated to uh, your profession with along the lines of tugmats.com or tugmats whatever uh it's, you know it, it's near the end it's near the end of the game so you know sexual chocolate ends up trying to reinvent it i guess or at least maybe like I said, this is something that multimillionaires do anyway by having all these girls flown out and it has now ultimately backfired. So this big changing of power that was going to take into place in the NFL is not going to happen. And where are we at with this is what I was thinking about because you just don't hear anybody talking about Deshaun Watson at all anymore. For good reason. Because I... Just don't know how this thing ends. Now, the NFL and police could hit Watson in this case separately, right? So currently, all this is is just a sheer, sheer money grab through a civil trial. And before anybody gets all up in arms, those girls were brutalized. I'm not saying that they weren't. What I'm saying is that it's a civil case. It is not a criminal case right now. So this thing all revolves around cash. The police could kick that up a notch and could actually file charges, criminal charges. They have not to this point. The NFL could do any number of things thanks to their nebulous uh, conduct policy. 
So they could ultimately just show Mr. Watson the door for the season and just say, hey, you can't play until uh, this case is over, whatever they want to do, right? So those are the two things that happen. NFL could do something, and the actual police could do something. Now, the third option, obviously, would be for the civil case to just go away. For Mr. Watson to pony up whatever money that the pros- the prosecutor wants. No, it's not the prosecutor. Uh, you know, the attorney. Um, what is that? It's not a defense attorney. It's not a prosecutor. It would be... Uh, Oh, whatever. You know what I'm going at. Uh, the the lawyer for all of these girls in the civil case, just to pony up and give him whatever he wants for his clients and call it a day. Now, one of the th- things I think about in that case is that even if he resolved the case like that and paid everybody whatever they wanted to get paid, the NFL said, okay, sure, nothing happened, there's nothing on record, you just settled the case out of court, and so you can play. Maybe they give him a little suspension or whatever. But even if that happened, wouldn't the Me Too movement just come out and blast them? You don't want to mess with Me Too. And wouldn't that apply here, right? Because wouldn't they come out and say, you know, who's going to embrace this quarterback, this character who sexually assaulted, sexually offended, I don't even know, made advances on these women like that and objectified them and treated them as less than people. I mean, that would be, to me, the next stage of the whole Deshaun Watson case should there be a payoff of the plaintiff's. Would that then it would become a public relations matter, and Me Too would come after. Now, obviously, this could have happened in other cases, which in the NFL, which didn't materialize. That being Antonio Brown, right? Because he had his little incident with the one woman. I I don't think it was one of his child's mothers. I think it was just a girlfriend. But on top of the crazy wacko shit that he did with her, standing behind her naked, I think was part of the story. He also said stuff on on phone calls talking about, or no, it wasn't phone calls, it was text messages, referencing this girl's children in pictures and saying, oh, they're broke as shit, just look at them in the picture. I never thought Antonio Brown was going to get over that one. Forget the girl and the sexual advances or standing behind her naked or whatever. I mean, you're going to shit on kids and call them poor because they look a certain way in a picture. I, I, I mean, the PR behind that, I never thought he was going to touch the field again. If not for the women, for the sheer fact that, I mean, who can stand behind that, right? I mean, shitting on kids for whatever reason. Leave the kids out of it. I know a lot of girls will say leave the girls out of it, but I'm just saying leave the kids definitely out of it, right? Stay away. Uh, Didn't matter there, though. And I don't know if it would matter here. I don't know if there would be a political, uh, a public relations backlash to the point that even if Watson settled, he wouldn't play. I thought for sure, if it goes to criminal trial, and even if he gets out, but one of these girls goes to goes on the stand, I think that would probably be a public relations ender right there because then all the stuff would be vocalized on record, you know, and you could just point to it and you could just say, really, you're going to get behind this guy when he did this? 
then again, we don't really know what actually took place behind these closed doors. So there is a really big sea of murkiness around this whole case. That being said, it was going to be a big movement in the NFL. It's not anymore. We have no clue the NFL is going to do anything. We don't know if the police are going to do anything. We don't know how the, the civil case is going to end. And we don't know after all of that resolves if there's going to be any kind of public relations movement against Watson to, or against the NFL to have Watson not play anymore. So let's say everything aligns that he actually does come back to the NFL to play. So let's say he settles the case. Me too doesn't amount to much. The NFL gives him some kind of silly suspension. And now it's up to him and the Texans to find a new place for him to play. That whole thing has changed too. Because think about the teams that we named before. Panthers, Broncos, 49ers, Jets, Dolphins, Pats, Bears, and Washington football team. And where they're at now. Well, the Jets, the 49ers, the Bears, and the Pats have definitely moved on. You know, the Jets, 49ers, Bears, Pats all drafted a quarterback. Now, that's not to say that if Watson wasn't available, they wouldn't have been, hey, look, we'll take Watson and we'll flip whoever it is that we drafted, you know, whichever one team you're talking about. But I don't really think they will. Now, the Panthers, they've definitely moved on from Watson. Because with the issues stemming from Richardson when he got ousted as the owner, still fresh, they will never entertain another controversy like this. Not a chance. They're out of it completely. Uh, you know, the Eagles are a team that wasn't named, I don't think, but people have talked about them related to Watson. Uh, they could definitely be a play. Jalen Hurts, you send them packing. Sayonara, thanks for playing. Dolphins, Broncos, Washington football team. They seem to be the teams left, right? Eagles, Dolphins, Broncos, Washington football team would seem to make sense. I mean, the Broncos, they keep talking about Aaron Rodgers. You know they, even though they signed Bridgewater, they want somebody else. It was a stopgap move. Uh, whoever, whoever gets Watson, it'll cost him $10.5 million in cap space this year. So you just got to do some kind of accounting to get those books. I don't know if any of that happens. I, there's just a part of me... And I, I think I have read and heard this elsewhere too, so I don't think I'm alone. That just thinks that 2021 is going to be kaput for Mr. Watson. I, I don't think we're seeing this guy play this year. If he does play this year, I think it would be only for the Texans if you could even imagine that happening. Because I don't know what team intra-season. I mean, we're already talking late July into August. He would have to go to a team, learn the playbook, be accustomed to the linemen, skill positions. It just doesn't make much sense anymore. And if it's in the middle of the season, you can just forget it because nobody's coming cold uh, into a new team intra-season unless that team is a bad team. And we're not looking at it. You know, the Eagles, Dolphins, Broncos, uh, well, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with the Broncos, but the Eagles, Dolphins... They're probably going to be contending in some way, shape, or form. I don't think the Eagles are that good this this year. That's my own personal opinion. I think the Dolphins are. The Washington football team has a solid, solid defensive front four. Um, And they just went and they put, they they, uh, put, what do you call it there? 
Oh my God, how did I forget his name already? It's because it's just a, a random middle of the day and, and my brain stopped warping. Stopped, stopped working. But they put Conor McGregor back there. You know who I'm saying. It's not Conor McGregor. He dressed up like Conor McGregor last year or two years ago for the Washington, not the Washington football team, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And Ryan Fitzpatrick is the name that I completely just forgot. So with Ryan Fitzpatrick with the Washington football team, maybe they make a play for... Watson and then just put him on the bench for the year. I don't know. I, I'd have to look at their cap situation, but uh, that might be something that works, right? Let Fitzpatrick play this year and then let Watson take over next year. Broncos could do something similar, right? They just they, they grab him for next year and let him ride the pine. Uh, maybe if the, if the team's terrible, they put him in there and they see how it goes. But the Eagles and the Dolphins, I just, I, I can't see it depending on the how their years go. Um, if they're in contention. But again, maybe it's the long play. Maybe all these teams would move things around to try to get Watson on the team just looking for future years, which would make sense. That also made me start thinking about one other team, and I thought I had <laughs> I thought I'd come up with a really original idea, and then I Googled this, and uh, I, of course Bill Barnwell had floated this idea earlier. But... What I started thinking about was if this ends up being a long play and Watson is going to be traded not for 2021, but more so 2022, what about a team like the Green Bay Packers, right? Because the Packers have already said that they're going to move on from Aaron Rodgers, or at least if they haven't said that, I shouldn't say that. But it, it, all, if he doesn't retire, he's not going to be there next year. So he's either going to play this year with the Packers and then be gone next year, or he's just going to retire this year. Uh, yeah, sure, I guess he still could get traded at some point this late, but I doubt it. It wouldn't really make sense for anybody, including Aaron Rodgers, even though he hates the Packers. If he's got one more year left in him, why not try to win it there at Green Bay? If he does pull it off, it would just solidify his greatness in, in the area, um, and it would give him another title. So I, you leave this year and you go to one of these other teams and you don't win it and you never go on. It's just going to be, you know, bad blood, Farvask type ending to your Green Bay era. It would make sense for him to just grind out the Packers. But let's say Packers come about next year as a trade. Now, it would work because I think that once you get rid of Rodgers, his cap hit was, what was it? Let's see. Um, I had this pulled up before. Let me see if I can pull it up real quick. Uh, the Packers salary cap right for next year is about 30 million over the cap. Rogers cap hit is 39 mil. So with Aaron Rodgers taking off, you you'll end up being under the cap and then you can play around with the rest of it to bring Watson in. Now, I don't think they have the assets that would make a trade such as that. Um, acceptable for the Texans. However, I you know obviously I think the Eagles and the Dolphins have a bunch of draft picks next year. Again, I probably should have done some research so I could have presented this here, but you can do it yourself. Um, I just if the Packers could work something out, that would be great. I, and I would love to see Watson over there with the Packers. Uh, maybe you could actually give love in return, right? You know, here take him, we'll take him, and, and you move along. And then love could start in 
Houston and and start his career up, right? Because that's what they're thinking is going to be the quarterback for Packers' future years. So they would just be in Houston, and you would get a uh, you know a sol- a solid quarterback known commodity in return in Watson. So, but we will never know because if you rewind the record, the part where the whole song starts is what happens with the case, and we just don't know that yet. So, we have to wait and see what happens to Mr. Randy Watson <laughs> and sexual chocolate. <laughs> and if he can get out of this uh, this disaster that he's dug himself into with his decision to fly masseuses around from all over the world to work on his uh, upper thigh stress. Um, and we'll see. And that's where we're at right now. So that's what I was thinking about today, and that's all I thought about. Uh, that's all I had to think about it right now. It's obviously a conversation that's been had before and probably will be had again as soon as he settles his case. But until then, we just have to sit and wait. So there you go. That's it for the day. I am punching out. I will be back again, I don't know, some point tomorrow, the next day try to uh, get more pearls of wit or wisdom thrown out there for you to chew on. Until then, everybody enjoy. Peace. Peace.